Well, praise the Lord. Well, we're looking in this series of Walking in Truth, and this morning we're going to look from the theme, we've been talking about sanctification, right? And so this morning we're going to talk about sanctification, my responsibility. Last week we covered sanctification and found out what God had done. God sanctified us by faith. We've been sanctified. We know that the blood of Jesus, we've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. We've been sanctified by the name of Jesus, etc. And so we concluded that God has already done his part. So the question comes, well, okay, what's my responsibility? And one of the basis for that, if we turn in our Bibles to Leviticus chapter 11, Leviticus chapter 11, and uh, verse 44, we find that even in the Old Testament, when God had brought Israel out of Egypt, he makes a statement to them in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. And in that particular statement, the Lord is sharing For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. And that word sanctify, we talked about before, means to separate, to be uh, made for a sacred use. Uh, It also means consecrate. And so even in this particular verse, In the New King James it says, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. So again, the exhortation is to what? Sanctify ourselves to be holy as unto the Lord. If we go over to the New Testament, turn to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, there's even a clear uh, message that Paul writes to the saints at Thessalonica. At Thessalonica, I'm sorry, in Thessalonica. <laughs> at Thessalonica. But we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going down to, well, let's go down to verse 4. And let's start reading there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, there. Beginning at verse 4. And it says, Finally then, uh, is this, uh, you have the King James? No, I have the E F the English Standard Version. You have the English Standard Version. All right. I well, I'll tell you what. Okay. okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're looking at First Thessalonians, chapter four, beginning at verse four. First Thessalonians, chapter four, four, four verse four, and. As we said earlier, 
we're looking at, last week we looked at sanctification, God's part. And so God has already sanctified us. We looked at that by his spirit, by his word. He sanctified us by the blood of Jesus. And so this morning we're looking at our responsibility in this whole matter of sanctification. Our responsibility. And we looked a few moments ago in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 11 verse 44 where it said, the Lord says, uh, sanctify yourself. And we thought that, that was interesting because God gives a, an exhortation to sanctify yourself or consecrate yourself unto the Lord. And it says, you shall be holy, for I am holy. But now as we look at 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament, chapter 4, beginning at verse, well, let's begin at verse 1. I said verse 4, but let's begin at verse 1. And let's read down. And let's read down to verse 7. All right, let's begin to read. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel, in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testify. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Amen? Amen. So when we go back up, we see that in verse 3, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. And then he goes on and says that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, When it says that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, and it's the will of God that you be sanctified, then that implies that we have the capacity to do that. Doesn't it? Yes. It didn't say if you think you can, but rather he's exhorting us to do it. Not an easy thing, but it can be done. And he said prior to that, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. How you ought to walk and to please God. So he gave them some commandments which covered how they ought to walk and how they are to please God. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, 
I guess my question is, how do we sanctify ourselves, or what is our responsibility for sanctifying, our, sanctifying ourselves? Any, anybody? What is our responsibility? Mm-hmm. Our responsibility is to please God. Okay. Our responsibility is to please God. And to, to obey God. And, okay. And we have an example of how to do that in the Word, the Bible. Okay. All right. And that's very true. And one of the key examples we have of that is Jesus himself. We've looked at that several times in John 17 when he says, Father, I sanctify myself for their sakes. We already looked at that before, that Jesus told the Jews that he that sent me sanctified me. And then we find Jesus talking to the Father saying, I sanctify myself for their sakes. And we went through that in that discussion. And so likewise, even as Jesus being the prototype or the model, we've looked at the fact that God has sanctified us by faith in Christ. And yet he expects us to sanctify ourselves. We talked last week about the fact that a person can be born a human being, but that person has a responsibility to do what? Walk out being a human being. To live like a human being or live like a man. Right? And so the same thing when it comes to what God has done, and yet we have a responsibility to walk it out. And what Paul is saying, and he says in other places as well, is that we shouldn't live our lives as other Gentiles who do not know God. Living in the lust of our flesh, etc., etc. But it's the will of God that you be sanctified. Alright? Mm-hmm. One of the things, let's go over to Psalms 17. I want to look at just a couple of passages in the Old Testament which gives us an example on how a person can walk pleasing God and sanctify in a sanctified state. Because we know, first of all, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Right. So we know faith has to be in place. But faith cometh by hearing the word of God. Correct? Right. And then we have the responsibility to act out that which we claim to believe. But here in Psalm 17, verse 4, and let's read that together. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. Isn't that something? Psalm 17, verse 4 says, Concerning the works of men, By the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. Which means that that person has taken the word of God and applied it to their life. And as a result, they've kept themselves away from the paths of the destroyer. That's something. Turn over to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 9. Psalm 119, 
Amen. In Psalm 119, verse 9, let's read that one together. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? Isn't that something? So it said right here, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. So you got to take the word and apply it to your life, right? Let's go to 1 John and let's look at some passages in 1 John. And I think we're going to find some interesting statements there. 1 John chapter 1. Let's start there. And we'll look at a couple of different passages in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. Looking at verse, well, let's look at verse 7 through 9. Verses 7 through 9. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Praise the Lord. And at the same time as we're turning there, I do ask that you uh, write down these scripture references. So you'll be able to go back over them. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. I'm sorry, verses 7 through 9. Okay, let's begin to read that. But if we walk in the light, are you there? Okay. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Right? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay? But notice what it says. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But you see a responsibility there? The fellowship with one another comes as a result of us doing what? Walking in the light. Walking in the light as he's in the light. So again, our responsibility is to walk in the light of God's word. The psalmist says, Thy word is a lamp unto my pathway, a lamp to my feet, and a light unto my pathway. So therefore, if we walk in the light of God's word, then we can have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Okay? Um, but then let's go on. Let's look at chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 29. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 29. I'm just highlighting some of this, and needless to say, when you have an opportunity, read through 1 John. And I think you'll see the connection of these different things. But 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. And let's read that verse together. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Wow. If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So what is the responsibility? For us, what's our responsibility? Do what? Not just be righteous, but what? Practice righteousness. God has already made us his righteousness in Christ Jesus. Right? But here we have an exhortation to what? Practice righteousness. And that simply means practice doing the right things in line with what? God's word. But the exhortation is you got to practice it. That's an awesome thing. What we're looking at here is our responsibilities. Because we often will fall back on, which is okay, we often fall back on, you know, God's grace, his favor, and that's good. But you know, Romans says, where sin does does abound, what abounds more? It says, where sin doth abound, grace grace abounds even more. But at the same time, can't keep coming up with, God, thank you for your grace. When he's telling us to do what? Practice righteousness. Or... As the scripture says, after it said that, it said, okay, so if, sin, if grace is going to abound more where sin abounds, then should I continue in sin? And the answer comes back, God forbid. Don't keep sinning, right? Right. All right. So practice righteousness. Let's go to the third chapter of John. First John. Third chapter of First John. And begin, we're going to begin reading at verse 5 down to verse, well, let's read down to verse 10. 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 5, down to verse 10. All right? Are you there? Let's begin to read. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him... There is no sin. So we know it's talking about Jesus, right? All right, verse 6. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now, wait a minute. Isn't that something? John is writing this saying, whoever abides in Christ does not sin. Now, But you go back, and we found out in verse chapter 1, he says, if you say you haven't sinned, you do what? You lie, and you don't tell the truth. But the key here is, what he's saying is, if you are in Christ, 
though you have the ability to sin, you need to be practicing righteousness. In other words, don't cop out all the time. Yes, you may miss it. And 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But at the same time, we just don't keep practicing sin when we know it doesn't line up with God's word. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. All right. And I guess I'm driving at home because in our own lives, we know, for instance, let's give an illustration. Let's say all of us are part of a family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, our father, mother, uncle, aunt, grandma, whoever. Now, you are born into that family. But there may be some guidelines in that family. Make your bed up or do whatever mm-hmm. they tell you that you need to be doing. Now, you could say, well, I ain't making my bed up. But they said make your bed up. Well, I ain't going to do it. They can't put me out of this family. I'm already in it. Are you getting the drift? Mm-hmm. In other words, I'm not going to obey what they say do, even though I'm in the family. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do my fair share of nothing. I'm here. I expect to be fed, clothed, taken care of. I want all the benefits. Well, uh, John... Uh, why, why didn't you do such and such? Because I didn't feel like it. Where's my food? Well, wait a minute, John. You, I'm your child. What do you mean you're my child? Yeah, you're my child, all right, but you still going to do what you got to do. No, I ain't going to do that. And I still expect to eat when I sit down at this table. And I expect to have some clothes on my back. And when I cut that light switch on, it better come on. Well, wait a minute, John. You got some stuff wrong here. That ain't the way it works. Now, I'm being somewhat extreme with it, but you get the picture. So, what do we say to God? God, I want the blessings. I want to be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. I want to be blessed coming in and going out. I'm going to be the head, not the tail. I want to be above and not beneath. I'm going to be more than a conqueror. And I'm going to, and I'm, and I, and I, all this stuff, God, because you told me, you promised me. So I'm going to do all this. And God says, well, practice righteousness. Well, God, I don't know if I can do that now. You know, I want your blessings. I want all your benefits. But when you ask me to practice righteousness, I don't know if I can handle that. You know, um, because, I mean, I want what I want. And so, you know, if it don't line up with your will and what your word says, then you need to look at your word and your will. Because uh, my flesh is crying out. You see the dichotomy. I do, but... Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. What you say? You do, but, right? <laughs> I do, but we know the consequences of not obeying God and yeah. Christians. Yeah. And that child that didn't obey his parent, he needs to know the consequences of disobeying his parent. There you go. There's some consequences because there's a judgment that comes. Yeah. There's a judgment that comes. That's, what, cause that's like uh, 
just like you said about um about you know the family you know the family they they think they're supposed to you know take care of them and feed them but Jesus did the same that's what the people try to do Jesus the same way they were following him he thought they thought they they supposed to he's supposed to feed them right. he was like why y'all follow me he said I ain't, I ain't here to feed y'all mm. you know that's what he did <laughs> yeah that's right after he fed that five thousand. <laughs> And then he went across the sea, mm-hmm. and they followed him over there. And they said, he said, you didn't come, you know, you came for the bread. You came for the food. And then he says, do the works of God. And they said, well, what is the works of God? And he said, to believe on the one whom he has sent. Wow. That's a different thing, isn't it? Let's go on. We're looking now at 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. And let's read. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Wow. My goodness. So, are you saying... Uh, John, Apostle John, are you saying that though Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil and he has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light or the kingdom of God's dear son. So you're saying that in the kingdom of God's dear son God has destroyed the works of the devil. And yet, when I sin, I'm showing that I'm still in a relationship with the devil. With Satan. Wow. Because I'm not practicing righteousness. Go back to what that psalmist said in Psalm, was it Psalm 17? Psalm Psalm 19. You don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 17, verse 4, it says, I keep myself out of the path of the destroyer by doing what your word says. I keep myself out of the path of the destroyer. Wow. So if we practice righteousness as he's righteous, then we can keep ourselves out of the path of the destroyer. 
And we know who the destroyer is. Satan. He's come to kill, steal, and what? Destroy. So God has done his part. He sent Jesus, who was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And yet, we have the responsibility to keep out of the devil's path and practice righteousness. Okay? All right? Mm -hmm. Let's look at another one in 1 John (coughs) chapter 5. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 5. And let's look at verses 1 through 4. Let's read. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begat also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Look right down at verse 18. And let's read that. We know, verse 18, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself. And the wicked one does not touch him. Wow. Verse 18 says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Sounds like a responsibility on our part. But he who has been born of God keeps himself. So we got a responsibility. Now, you consider, well, let's go, let's look at another one. Uh, We're going to talk about this in a few minutes. So if you got questions, it's good. Turn to uh, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 20. And let's read down from verse 20 to verse 23. Colossians chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Okay, let's read. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away, from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. 
Notice what it says. The first part, it talks about what God has done through Christ. And then it says, He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. Verse 23 starts off saying what? If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Wow. Again, our responsibility is to be what? First of all, continuing in the faith. To be grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which we've heard. Wow. My goodness. Let's look at another one. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, let's pick up at verse 26 down to verse 31. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 26, down to verse 31. And let's begin to read at verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of truth, of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Wow. Comes back to what you said, Marvin consequences or the bottom line is judgment and God is saying under the law of Moses the folks died without mercy based on two or three witnesses right Right. but then he says how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the son of God underfoot counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. That's an awesome thing. Yeah, how do you trample the Son of God underfoot? By, by disobeying. Disobeying the word of God. By knowing it and disobeying. By knowing the truth. So if you don't know it, are you still considered trampling? If you don't know it, you still are held responsible because you should know it. 
Does that make sense? You know, we shared about the traffic ticket I got that year. I mean, years and years ago. Uh, jaywalking. Well, I did know about jaywalking, though I didn't think about it, obviously, because it wasn't something that you had to deal with. You just crossed the street when you crossed the street. But when the police officer came up to me and said, this is your ticket for jaywalking, now, I could have told him, well, I've been doing this all my life. I ain't got that many five dollars. <laughs> but again, <laughs> the bottom line is, we have a responsibility. Okay, it's almost, and I understand what you're saying, but some people have that particular philosophy. They don't want to study the Bible. They don't want to hear nothing about nothing because they figure that I ain't got no, if I don't know, I ain't going to be held accountable. So in other words, I don't want to hear nothing. Don't tell me about Jesus. Don't tell me about nothing because if I don't know it, I am held accountable for it. But God says, if you want to be saved, if you want to be born again, then you've got to believe on the one he sent, who is Jesus Christ. Right? Mm -hmm. So, if you don't even accept Christ according to the word of God, then you haven't elected to accept the one that Jesus sent. Right? And I think it's interesting because uh, in Acts, which I think was one of the things that your chair, Pastor Marlena shared, with that account of Cornelius and Peter. Remember Peter was on the top of the roof waiting for a meal. And those the sheets came down with all those unclean animals, and the Spirit of God or said, "Rise and eat, Peter." And he said, "No, I don't need none of this stuff. You know, this is unclean." But when he got to Cornelius's house, he realized the significance of that vision, and that was that God is no respecter of persons. Those who fear God or reverence God are accepted by him. But if you accept and reverence God, then you will accept who God has sent. And that was Jesus' thing to the Pharisees and to those religious leaders. That's what he was telling them in so many words. Because they kept saying, well, I know God is our Father. And he says, well, if God was your Father, you would accept me because I came from God. All right? To answer your question, there will still be an accountability. Does that make sense? Because Romans 1 says that all creation testifies of God. And what happens is, we make a decision in our minds and in our hearts not to accept. Because that's what Romans 1 says. I was just thinking about the guy who cursed Jesus that day. He said something negative last night. It's pertaining to the same thing. And I was like, I tried to come to him and just say, you know, my what size pants do you work with? Someone that gave me some nice pants like this. Mm-hmm. And I was going to give it an end. But now I'm thinking, you don't even buy the pearls. You don't want to give pearls to swine because they're traveling. Yeah. And at the same time, if the Spirit of God tells you to give them, then you offer to them and get them. And the reason I'm saying that is because 
God desires that all men be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Right? Uh-huh. And we can be an instrument to be used of God. Because when we demonstrate the love of God, do you realize that that love of God can, uh, how can you say it, it can break down the barriers that people have against God when we demonstrate the love of God toward people? And if we were to say, well, I ain't going to do that because this person's out there, you know, he's cursing God and so forth, so I'm not going to do anything good toward him. Who's going to share that if everybody had that same concept and that same idea? You wouldn't have missionaries. You wouldn't have right people going to our corners over here. That's right. To share the love of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so if the Spirit of God prompts you to do that, then do it. And if he says, man, I don't care because I curse your God and I'll curse him again and blah, 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 blah. But you can say, my brother, I just want you to know God loves you. I love you. So take the pants. So, yeah. go ahead. You know, getting to, to what we're talking about. Yes, and, sir. And the latest thing in the news about the soldiers burn, burning the, the Quran in, in Afghanistan. And, you know, some, some Christians might say, well, it's a good thing to do because it's not the Word of God. The Quran has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I understand. Know? So, but it's defiling those people's religion. I understand that. It's defiling those people's religion. And one day, those people that believe in the Quran, who don't believe in Jesus Christ, will be held accountable. Right. For not accepting Jesus Christ as God has, has ordained us to do. Right. So, but some Christians will say it was a good thing that they burned, burned the Quran. But it's not because you still have to show respect. You show respect to that person because even though it's not the right. But you can still right because you can still still show respect. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God came and demonstrated His love toward man. But you cannot. You can judge yourself. And what did he tell the children of Israel? He said to, when you go into this promised land, don't do what these people were doing. Don't do what they were doing. Now, his, his thing to the Israelites was to kill them all. But I don't find anywhere in the New Testament where he tells us to go in and kill everybody who doesn't believe in Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I don't find it. Now, but in the end, everybody don't believe in Jesus will die but, spiritually. But that, yes, but that's God's. That's, that's God's God. doing. God is big enough to take care of His business. Yeah. But we have a responsibility to share the love of God with every person. We have the responsibility to walk in love toward every person, and so should they have burned the Quran? No. In my opinion, no. no. They should not have burned the Quran. They should have walked in love. And if they were Christians and walking in the light of God's word, they wouldn't have done it. it, In my opinion. opinion. Not saying that they weren't Christians who did it, but it doesn't mean that they were walking in the light of God's word either. Okay? And as a result of that, look at what's happening. 
lives are being lost. Just lost to high-ranking officials. Right. And so, why, you know, it's almost like the whole thing when David sent, uh, I think it was Hiram, uh, King Hiram had died. And David was simply sending some emissaries there to uh, give his condolences because the king had died. Mm-hmm. And when he got there, when the uh, emissaries came and said that, you know, we've come, I guess, and David just wanted us to bring you condolences. The elders told the prince, uh, they came here to spy out the land and so forth and so on. So they cut off their beards and all that kind of stuff and sent them back, cut their clothes off and sent them back. And a war ensued as a result of that. So thousands of people lost their lives over what? A misunderstanding. Isn't that crazy? Thousands of people lost their lives over a misunderstanding. So when you respect the life of man and you recognize God desires that all men be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth, then to walk out stuff that's not in line with righteousness, we, I think we do a disservice. Yeah. And I think we can then be trotting the Son of God underfoot mm-hmm. in the sense of we're not doing what God desires us to do. We were looking at uh, Hebrews uh, in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, and we look down at verse 29, more specifically, and that verse again just said, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sacrificed a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. And again, for if we sin willfully, verse 26 says, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. But isn't it good to know we got 1 John 1 9? We can confess our sins. And God is faithful and just to forgive us. So we can repent. But that person who just goes, you know, said, I did it. I did it and I'm not regretting it. I'm not repenting and I'm not. They are sealing their destiny. They are sealing their destiny unless they repent, unless they just own up to it and say, God, I'm sorry. And God looks at the what? Heart. Isn't that something? And God doesn't desire that anybody would be lost. Yes. Pastor Joseph, last Sunday I asked you, uh, would you say that you deserve damnation eternal if a person is saved and have faith and they say that is that not 
doing what this says, how much worse and punishment do you suppose he will be judged if he tramples God, if he tramples Jesus? Right. Underfoot and so forth? Yes. A saved person who has faith, who makes the statement, I deserve eternal damnation. A saved person who makes the statement that I deserve eternal damnation. Right. Isn't uh, that really putting Jesus underfoot because of grace that was offered to you? Whoa. That means you should have... You, he, he, did it, he, he died on the cross for nothing because you haven't, you haven't accepted his grace. But you've accepted his grace in the sense of you realize that you're saved. You're making an ignorant statement saying that I deserve damnation or whatever. Eternal damnation. Eternal damnation. That's just an ignorant statement where they haven't come to a realization of that truth yet. Does that make sense? For instance, let me give you an illustration of that. When Jesus told the disciples that Lazarus was asleep, and they said, well, if he sleeps, then that's okay. And this is after he heard that Lazarus was sick. And Jesus comes and says, well, Lazarus is asleep. And they said, well, if he sleeps, he's okay. And then Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. So first, Jesus spoke a truth. Mm-hmm. They didn't catch it. That was, you know, if he's asleep, okay, he's okay. Mm-hmm. Then Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. Now, the truth is, Lazarus was asleep, but they didn't catch it. They didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. So he came back and identified or located where they were and just said, okay, so Lazarus is dead. Or, Believe that the Father's in me and I'm in the Father. That's a truth that Jesus shared with his disciples, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can't believe that, then believe for the work's sake. In other words, what I'm saying is that sometimes even we accept Christ. If we don't grow in the knowledge of the truth, then we can make some stupid statements. Okay, so we just going to say that's a stupid statement. Yeah, he just didn't know. I mean, the person doesn't recognize what the truth of God's word is in that situation. Now, the person may say that before I accepted Christ, mm-hmm. I deserve damnation. Okay. But now that you've saved, and now that you recognize what God had done through Christ on behalf of mankind, then why would you say that when you already know that you were created in the image of God and God desires that all men be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth? So why don't we just emphasize the fact God loves you, my brother. Why don't you come and receive Jesus as your Savior? He can forgive you of your sins. Do you know what I'm saying? So when you look at the truth of God's word, <clears throat> then it begins to give you another perspective. Then it just come down and say, well, everybody deserves damnation. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, there's more to the picture than that. Mm-hmm. That's the same as saying that God sanctified me through the blood of Jesus, 
through my faith in Christ and all of that so I can do what I want to do. That's not true either. I mean, it's true that he sanctifies you. It's true that through the blood of Jesus, all that part is true. But what we've been looking at this morning is sanctification, my responsibility. So I got a responsibility on that on that whole ticket too. I can't just put it all on God. And that's what we're looking at now. The believer has some responsibilities in this whole process of sanctification. And I believe oftentimes the believer doesn't want to accept his or her responsibility. They want to leave it off on God. Well, God, you saved me. God, you did everything. And so I ain't got nothing to do but just worship you and praise you. Well, yeah, you know, you can throw your hands up and jump and shout and all that kind of stuff. But then if you're not practicing righteousness, you're putting on an outward show. If you're still walking in the lust of the flesh and every time you get an opportunity, you, you know, doing whatever you want to do, then all of that, you say, well, I'm worshiping God. I show up at church on Sundays. I go to all the gospel concerts. I just jump and shout and I can do my step and all that kind of stuff. That's okay. And when all that is said and done, how are you living? (laughs) That's really what it comes down to. How are you living? You say you love the Lord. Well, the word of God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we don't want to say that because, you know, that crimps our style. I can say I love God and do whatever I want to do. Well, yeah, you can, but there's a judgment coming. So, you know, that's like the person who doesn't study for the test. And say, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm sitting in class. I ain't getting nothing in there, but I'm sitting there. So when the test time comes, did you study? No. You got an F. And, well, I deserved an A because I showed up in class. But there's more to it than showing up in class. There's more to it than enrolling in the school. You know, somebody says, well, I enrolled in college. I paid my tuition, and you deserve to give me an A. You ain't studied. You didn't do your part. Not according to the agreement. So according to the covenant that we're in with God. God has done his part. And he's upholding his part. But we can't just slack off and say, well, I ain't got no responsibilities in this covenant. I'm just, I'm here. And I do whatever I want to do. God does, uh, he says, okay. And I tell you what, part of the covenant says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And I will repay. So you keep on doing what you want to do. And when judgment day comes, don't say nothing. That's right. You keep on doing what you want to do. Just remember that part of the covenant says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. So go on. Do what you want to do. As a matter of fact, in Revelation, it says something to that effect. If you want to keep on sinning, if you want to keep on, keep on, keep on. Do what you want to do. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you. 
who the sock at too. Oh, I see everybody know that. <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> but but what did we look at last week with the Lord told Moses? In so many words, the folks are doing whatever's right in their own eyes. But when you cross over Jordan, when you cross over Jordan, the expectation is that you're going to do what God says to Because you, you're still on, on shaky ground on this side of the Jordan doing what you think is right in your own sight. But you're going to show not be on shaky ground when you get over there and God told you what you're supposed to be doing when you get in that land. And notice what he said. Keep yourselves from doing the stuff that you find these folks doing. Keep yourself from doing those things. Keep yourself. So the Holy Ghost is there to help you to keep yourself. But you've got to have a desire to what? Want to keep yourself. I remember a person sharing me years ago, and that simple statement was, God will keep you if you want to be kept. God will keep you if you want to be kept. Praise God. We'll stop at this point. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful. We give you the glory, honor, and praise. Thank you for your word this morning. We ask that you would seal it into our hearts and into our minds, Father. And we will not only be hearers of your word, but doers also. In Jesus' name, amen.